Welcome everybody to another episode of Silverline Behind the Frame. I'm Josiah Ness, and in this episode, I got the privilege to catch up with one of our really good friends, Daniel Rosenthal. Daniel is a well-known published photographer that has spent the last eight years working the grind of New York City to build his brand. He has shot for some of the biggest brands in the fashion industry like Oscar De La Rente, Paper, Chihon, JPMC, and Chris Habana Jewelry. In this podcast, he shares his experiences, both good and bad, of what it's like living and building your name as a photographer in the fashion mecca of New York City. Well, welcome to another edition uh, of Silverline Behind the Frame. I'm excited because I'm here with one of my good friends, Daniel Rosenthal. Is that, did I say that right? Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> and uh, we're actually in a super, co- super cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, set the scene, man. Yeah. So yeah, we're sitting nice. in this sweet uh, lounge, I guess if you'd call it's it. A, it's a very, uh, it's, it's a secret lounge. Secret. So yeah. it's like a, a can't speakeasy. can't give away location, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nope. Let's call it a speakeasy. Okay. Can I, I say the, the city that it's in? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give it, give yeah, it a sure, throw. sure. So Boise, yep. Idaho, we're sitting yep. in one of the speakeasies that yep. only a couple people know of. So. Actually, I'm going to backtrack and I'm going to go okay. ahead and say I am at Sturman's Smoke Shop, which Boom, is the is. best cigar shop in Idaho, the, yep. if not the Northwest, if not the nation, I right. want to say. All right. Hey, you can say that. So, you can yeah. Say that. It's, it's a nice Unfortunately, it's, it was my first time coming here. And, and, and you're and like, you're oh my it. God, it's been here for like 20 years. How did I don't <laughs> I know. know this. Like I've heard the name because I yeah. think we talked over like Instagram. You wanted a, like, a, hum- a humidor, did you not? Mm-hmm. Yep. We were looking at getting a humidor. Yeah. We, we bought one. Oh. We got oh. off of Amazon. It was well, like the interview's thing, over. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, then you're like, oh no, this is where do you go? I'm like, oh, I've heard of that place, but mm-hmm. I've never been to it. So I finally came to... And checked it out, and we got a cigar, and we're smoking cigars right now. Yeah. And we're sitting in, the, sitting in the sweet lounge that's all decked out, big old leather chairs. Mm-hmm. Plush. This place is sweet, man. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so Daniel, um, give the viewers kind of a background of, of who you are and what you do. And then uh, let me hear your story, because your story is okay. super, super cool. So. Well, I, I am pr- uh, less interested in it than, than <laughs> others seem to be sometimes. But um, Daniel Rosenthal, I... I'm a photographer, and uh, I, I actually just moved back to Boise after uh, r- around eight years in New York City. Um, really, especially at the beginning, shooting anything I could get my hands on, and then um, sort of honing in much more on fashion and portraiture and, and working with a lot of the models in, in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, got married uh, in December. Nice. And... Uh, so probably a year before that, my wife and I had been talking about coming back to Boise because I felt like for me, my 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 plan, which things rarely go according to plan. And for whatever reason, this little snippet of my plan has worked is that I wanted to move to move to New York, establish myself well enough to live in a place like Boise, Idaho, but still get bigger jobs and get to travel and, and everything yeah, else. So totally. that's sort of, you know, I sort of just passed that threshold last year i would say nice to where it, it, it moved beyond just the struggle to like oh that's a nice little paycheck i right. like that yeah right yeah dude that's awesome i don't know if that answered the whole question but uh, a little bit of it okay <laughs> All right. when did um because i know i think before uh, i think the last i guess the first time i actually was on the same shoot with you was a wedding and this was like probably six oh years ago God. it was at the botanical gardens and uh, we're shooting some video. Six years ago from now? Somewhere from around the- there. It was, I oh. mean, it was a long, it was, might have been even longer, to be honest. It was. I just can't remember shooting weddings 
here uh, after I moved. But yeah, okay. It might have been before then. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm trying right. to think of like, man, because that, that was like right when when I first started. It was a yeah, buddy yeah. of mine that was filming it, so I was helping him. Yeah, I mean, and I can, I, was like, I can, I know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, but ever since then, you know, like following you and 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 your progression from photography and and going from, um, obviously shooting the wedding and then your, uh, progression in the photography. Kind of give us that background of like how you started out, how you got into photography at first, and then how that road's been. In yeah. The photography world. Um. Trying to decide what direction I want to come at it from because there are multiple directions. One is one is the direction just of personal growth in general, and um, um, a person's sense of identity. And where I want to go with this is that I really didn't know that I had anything, uh, had any creativity until I got a camera in my hands. And I think maybe that was, um, you know, my parents weren't necessarily artistic, uh, not a lot of art education. Um, and I was more interested uh, in human development, psychology, things like that. So once I got a camera, it was when I was like, "Oh my God! Like this is fulfilling. This is I get to. Um, it's difficult. It's beautiful. It's I'm looking at the world in a different way just because I started taking pictures. Mm -hmm. So I think it um, that really turned me on to it. I was a hobbyist for. I don't know, three or four years. And I'm sure you know how that works where yeah. like yep. you start out with really low end equipment. You just kind of see what makes sense. Um, and then you get to that, that decision making point where you're like, all right, well, do I want to fully invest in this um, and make a career out of it? Do I want to try to do that? Or do I want to keep being a hobbyist? And I think there's a lot of freedom in just pursuing it as an, as an art. There's no, there's no pressure behind it to make money. Yeah. You just create beautiful things. You don't really have to be, you just have to enjoy it. Right. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Mm -hmm. But when you, when you switch gears into uh, a career, suddenly you have people telling you that your work is shit. And you, they're oftentimes telling you, right. and they're not really telling you why. Yeah. It just kind of, that's what I discovered when I got to New York is everything's so fast, so busy your opportunity, the window opens for a second, and if you don't get through it, then, then it's closed. Mm -hmm. And I ran into a number of those situations because I wasn't, I wasn't ready. And it was a really hard learning experience, but I would, I would, an opportunity would be handed to me, and I would do the best I could with what I had at the moment, which is a limited understanding of the industry in general, mm -hmm. as well as limited experience as a photographer. I mean, I... I had something natural I suppose but at the same time like I wasn't a savant like I just kept doing it and kept learning right and there were opportunities that I that I really I really messed them up yeah and and they were fucking traumatic <laughs> seriously because I'm like yeah. in New York broke hoping I can pay rent and then I miss up a, a big opportunity and I'm like Dang. I don't know what I'm gonna do now wow so it's not only the emotional you know sense of rejection and failure and it plays on your identity it's also like i don't know how i'm going to feed myself for very much longer right um i did not answer your question though no that was great okay. what was All that right. when you were in new york like what what drew you to there 
and to just jump into that fast pace because my sister lived there, so I got a little. Yeah, I know. A little I knew bit about, about that. Yeah, about New Naomi, York. Naomi, right? Kinda, yep. How long was she there? She was. Oh wow, she was there nine years, something like that. I did not realize that. Yeah, okay, she All was right. there for a, a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and her, and I mean, she she had a roller coaster world because she was trying to do the fashion thing. And then oh. she went into no one's equipped sales. Oh no my one's gosh. no one's oh equipped. Gosh. I mean, it was, unless it was crazy, unless you are, it, unless you are the next supermodel, right? Then you're equipped in that everything's taken care of. You're still not emotionally equipped, right? But if you're not, you're if you're just on a working model level, mm-hmm. it's like, it's a kick. Yeah, it's a kick in the face over and over. Yeah, it's very hard. So what yeah. drew you as far as like photography wise, jumping into that and knowing that you're like, I got to jump into this and, and swim, right? Like I'm going to yeah. jump in and try to swim and, and, and make it. Again, I think, again, it has, um, it's, it had a lot to do with personal growth too and intuition. Hmm. Really, it was like, I, I moved there when I was 30. I'm 37. I'm 38. I might be 38. You look I 30. think I'm 38. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm like, I'm 30 years old. Uh, I'm single. And if I'm ever going to just jump off the cliff, you know, with my life and my career, now's the time. Yeah. Because it's going to be lowest, you know, uh, impact for the other people in my life. And um, so I, I did it partly because my intuition told me to. I also did it because I wanted to be the, the very best that I could possibly be yeah. at my craft. And I, and I needed to be surrounded by uh, people that were better than me. Mm-hmm. And also to get to work with other creatives that, you know, that elevate my work because they're so good at what they do. Other makeup artists and stylists and right. art directors and stuff. So that's why that's why I made the move. That's you know? awesome. Yeah. What was that like when you first got like first got there in the first couple of years getting into the mix of it? Like, bring, bring um, I would never do it again. That. I honestly I'm so really? glad that I did it. Right. But I would never sign up for that level uh, of suffering. And it's, it's partly because of the longevity involved. It's not just a sprint where you're like, okay, I've got a, I've got two months that are going to be really hard. And then things sort of level out. Right. It was like five years before there was consistency of any kind. And even then you couldn't even call it consistent. I just got used to it. I think I get used to like, "Eh, I'm going to figure out how to pay my rent. Like (laughs) it'll be all right. Yeah. Um, so the first, (laughs) the first, uh, Two months were unbearably miserable. I uh, moved there in the dead of winter. I think it was January. I think it was January 4th, actually. Wow. Um, Four days before I moved, the housing arrangements that I had planned fell through. Dang. So I scrambled. I found out that I have like a a great aunt that lives on Staten Island. Hmm. She said I could crash with them for a month. Uh, That month turned into two months. (laughs) Because I thought I could find a job quicker than that, you know. Yeah. And uh, if you if you understand the layout of, of New York uh, and the boroughs, Staten Island is across the river, so you have to take a ferry from Staten Island just to get to Manhattan, and then from the lower portion of Manhattan, then you take trains everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was, it was it was grueling. Everything everything was a lot of work. Hmm. That's um, crazy. Yeah, my first. I think my first window that opened was uh, actually with Wilhelmina Models, mm-hmm. and uh, I had I, I met an agent that I think is one of the few um, agents are rough. They're rough to deal with, 
I don't like them. I right. will say that. <laughs> Topher is one of the best people I've ever met. So he sort of, he mentored me, he brought me into this massive agency that I had actually never heard of until I got there. Wow. Um, and so that was sort of my first, like, okay, I think I can do this. Uh, but that's also um, some of the first assignments that I really fucked up. Hmm. Now, Topher never gave up on me. Yeah. But I was out of that fold hmm. because I messed up two two photo shoots. And it was really, in retrospect, it was really just me not under. It wasn't bad work. It just wasn't the type of work that they needed. Gotcha. And that's what helped me a lot to understand, like, okay, just because a client doesn't like what you did doesn't mean it's bad work. It means it doesn't fit them. And that's still an error, but it's not so personal at that right. point, you know? Interesting. I'm sure you've run into that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah a bunch. I mean, you, yeah. we've, we've, we've done it, too, to where, like, like you said, we'll shoot it. We'll put it all together. They've seen our other work. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They like it. Mm-hmm. And they say, hey, you know, let's work together. Da, 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 da. We, mm-hmm. we shoot it and we give it to them. They're like, well, that's not, that's really not what we wanted. So thank you, but no thank you. And then you never hear it from them again. Ooh. And you're like, well, you know, what, what can we do? Like we, we've talked to a, a client that was like, hey, we'll reshoot the whole thing on our dime just to make sure that they're happy and then like no it's okay i'm, I'm like, willing to do that as well yeah because like, if 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 it's an issue of if it's a communication issue mm-hmm. that's still my fault right like i 100%. still need to make sure that i get all the information possible even if this is maybe a newer client that doesn't understand the production process right i have to teach them what that production process is right so i know exactly what they want so that shit doesn't happen yep Yep, hundred percent. It's the worst day. Oh, dude! Oh it's, my it's, god! Cause, and especially when they never call you back, or they never, they never give you anything of the reason why. They're just like, oh, it, it just it didn't, it wasn't what we wanted. So thanks, but no thanks. And yeah. Like, oh my gosh! Because you can never be more constructive. To me, I feel you can't you can't build from that. Give right? me some notes. No. Like, no. You, there's nothing to like. Okay, did it, was it was the communication bad? Was it good? Was the was it just the end product? Obviously, if they didn't like it, then there's part of it. But yeah. there was nothing that was. Are you talking about a client that's from... already paid you to produce for them? Yeah. And then they don't care about it. You get paid anyway. Afterwards. They just yep. don't use it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever run into that. Lot. It was really weird. Yeah. It was one time, but okay. it was like, that was like, like wait, what? they must have money to burn. I I guess so. God, <laughs> to just know. scrap a whole project. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So and then we had one that. They, they did it for their campaign, um, and it was a product, and then they got done with the campaign, or they got done with shooting everything, putting it all together, yeah. and then they said, oh, hey, because we were dealing with an agency, and the agency was dealing with the cl- the, the product That always gets company. a little, yeah. They're like, we shoot it all, do the whole thing, and they're like, oh, hey, we're scrapping that campaign. Okay. And you're just like, how? how? Like, how do you I mean, <laughs> I, had a buddy that, I had a buddy that was an... Uh, uh, let's say creative director for Droga Five. Do you know that ad agency? I, I know. Yep. They are massive. They're doing Huge. Google and all kinds of shoots. He has produced half a million dollar shoots or uh, productions right. that they've just been like, all right, we don't want that one. We're gonna Jeez. go this direction. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> That's, That's money, man. baby. I God. know. Uh, and and those ones are, I mean, those are nice shoots to have because obviously they get the budget for it, but then they the do. stress with it. There's so much. I mean, everybody's still getting paid. Yeah. I mean. Whatever. At the end of the day, you're still, right. you know, whatever. But what was the what was some of the the coolest shoots that you got to do when you were in New York? There were always, um, I would just call them milestone shoots, you know, uh, just that sort of 
what I felt brought me to the next level of whatever I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one was with Wilhelmina. I shot there. They did a big uh, like fitness model campaign and then like a, a national outreach to find models. And they had like a competition kind of. Cool. Um, so this is both a happy and sad story for me because I got to shoot that. That was great. Um, and then they never used me again. <laughs> oh, no way. So, uh, you know what? I'm remembering. So I did one portion of it that everybody loved, and it was the second portion. It was because I had not really shot studio, and they asked me to shoot some in-studio fitness stuff, which mm. um, it's a lot of work. That's yeah. a lot of work to capture yeah. movement correctly, to get your light. Like when you look at these Nike ads, that's uh, precision. You know what I mean? That lighting sure. is absolute precision and i just didn't have that ability yet gotcha and um so you know i did the first part they loved it which was all outdoors in Mm -hmm. brooklyn and stuff and then the second part was in the studio and i it it was awful like i i I can see how bad it was yeah yeah so that was that was one of them really early on and i would say that's probably six years ago oh wow um and then um the new one was for oscar de la renta and you just perked up, so it must be good. Oh, like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, just getting to shoot for a brand like that. Right. All I did was shoot backstage, um, mm. but there's some really cool elements involved. One is um, that I got the job because – I'm going to back up a little bit. My brother lives in New York cool. as well. Um, he sells real estate. He just he just knows a lot of people. Yeah. He's just uh, really well connected. So before I moved away from New York, I want to say – it was probably in January. Yeah, because it was just before Fashion Week. Um, he, he, I just bought a truck. He asked me for a, uh, a ride to Costco because, as you can imagine, it's really hard to go to Costco in New York City if you right. don't have a vehicle. So um, I took him to Costco. He brought a friend, Fernando Garcia, and uh, I just I loved him. Like He was just sweet, genuine, <clears throat> Dominican, super sweet guy. Loved nice. him to death. Didn't know what he did until two hours into hanging out with him. And then he's like, like, well, what do you do? Because I don't like that to be my first question. Right. I like to – what someone does tells me very little about who someone is, right? Right. Um, but he was very genuine and capable of intimate conversation, even with someone new like me. Mm-hmm. And um, so then I find out he's a stylist. So I'm like, oh, cool. Like, maybe we can collaborate sometime. And then eventually, he I get out of him that he is he is uh, the co-director of Oscar De La Renta and Monse. Hmm. So I was like, "Holy shit! <laughs> like, <laughs> right. that's crazy!" Wow. I was like, "All right, well, Fashion Week's coming up. Uh, I'd love to shoot backstage for you." And in my mind, I really am thinking like, "I'll do it for free. Like, right. I don't care. I'll I'll just go tool around, give 100%. you the images. It's fine." Yeah. Um, he he's like, "All right." And he actually followed through. And that, that's wow. hard to find. Yeah. So a lot of people give you lip service. Yep. But he actually followed through. And he, he, um, I shot backstage for Oscar De La Renta and, and Monse. Do you know that brand? I don't. That one's lesser known for sure. Okay. Um, this last season was a lot of like wools and patterns. And it, it, it's, it's awesome, but very yeah. different than Oscar De La Renta. Gotcha. Which is classic, uh, very floral, really pretty. Right. Which I um, think you've posted a handful of the, yeah, the yeah, photos. Yeah, yeah. So I've seen the I've seen the photos and kind of yeah. trailing with that. But yeah. So this last one, um, obviously I'm back in Boise and he, <laughs> I don't. We were talking and he's like, "Are you busy next week? Are you, you going to be in New York?" I'm like, 
I can be. Right. So we work it out. I get to go shoot backstage um, for his pre-spring campaign. Hmm. Um, and the, the, the fun part for me is that he had me shoot video as well, which I am very new to. Mm-hmm. And it was beautiful. That's like awesome. I taught myself to edit. And I edited multiple videos for him. Right. And the whole – it was um, very appealing creatively as well as just uh, – for my name, I yeah. guess, for you know, to get more work like that. Yeah, right. yeah, Dude, that's awesome. Yes, yeah, I've seen a couple of those things that you posted out, and I think you sent me a couple of them too. And I'm like, these are these are sweet, man. Mm-hmm. And the setting looked cool, you know, just of like where you were at and what they were shooting and like the stuff that you shot to to capture that. I'm like, man, that stuff turned out really, really cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate so, it. So, thank you. No, it's definitely. And it, cause I remember you're like, oh, I just. Cause I think you're like, hey, like. I need to do some video stuff. Like, okay. Then yeah, like, because I've been I got trying, because I just want to like. <laughs> you're like, all right, cool. Oh, the you editing. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. I was like, man, I can't edit this. <laughs> like, not for Oscar De La Renta. And then I just, I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm going to watch some tutorials. Yeah. And then like 12 hours of work later, I'm right. like, I actually like this 30 seconds of uh, of footage here. Yeah. No. Yeah, it, it was great, fun. Dude. I love it. It great. Yeah. No, it's, it's a fun. It's those kind of projects. I mean, we do projects all kinds of, you know, from just talking heads to super cool campaign stuff uh, we did we're down in texas flying in uh helicopters and running around with a bunch of military guys last week you know so it's we do oh my god spectrum i love like the that. stuff you guys do yeah it's and incredible so, and there's stuff like that like what you were editing together yeah that kind of stuff is fun because of of the nature of it mm-hmm. and then there's also there's stuff that's like you know we call it the bread and butter that's just like either a talking head or if it's a political video or something like that you're like this is boring uh-huh and i gotta sit here for hours and just you know cutting these guys because then it's all together. about the conversation yep it's not mm-hmm. you know yeah. yep the speaking pieces you know yeah. to where like yours i don't think it had any voice no speaking stuff in it nope i didn't so have to you, that, it was nice not to worry about catching audio for yeah. sure uh-huh yeah oh for sure so that's, all I really, that's a pain yeah i really so. just caught white noise and then put that under the video and like, yeah which um, is fun because you can you can play with what's being you know said on the on the the white noise of it you know mm-hmm. if you will of just things that are going around how you you know sound compose and pull stuff in there and what people hear and and it's and that kind of stuff's fun to play with because yeah. then you know because you shoot it and you know rack and focus and mm-hmm. kind of doing some spin arounds and you know shoot some slow motion throw that in, and it's just kind of fun exciting stuff to put together what i did buy after <clears throat> after this shoot is um a, a gimbal um the uh, get the ronin the ronin SC. Yep. The smaller one. Yep. Because mm-hmm. I shoot Sony um, full frame. What's up? I didn't know you shoot Sony. I switched, man. I when? switched from Nikon. Last year last sometime. Last time I talked to you, I think you were, you're still on it was Nikon. Last, oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. It was last year sometime. And it, a lot of it was um, just doing so much research on the A9. And I actually think that shooting, I, I was shooting a fashion show, I want to say two years ago probably. Yeah. And Sony was there and they let me use... Uh, an A9 no way for like two days right and I'm like this is dangerous this uh, like you want to buy another one we're I, selling ours <laughs> your A9 yeah we'll talk okay we'll, we'll talk, talk. <laughs> I don't but I don't need it oh, you yeah. know no I know, you know? we've got so, we've got four other ones and we're like well, we need another one but A9 yeah. just doesn't fit for the stuff no. that we're doing so. so I have then then I have the A7R4 yeah for and that's what I'm shooting the video on yeah. and stuff uh, but the 20 frames per second, man, like I used it today. I did a um, I did a cocktail shoot at Mai Tai. Did I tell nice. you that already? No. So it, 
first cocktail shoot, by the way. Nice, nice. It, it, it turned out really good. Um, but the A9, I did some window light stuff, so I wasn't using strobe. Yeah. And um, I needed to catch the moment when he uh, sprayed an orange peel over a match. Mm-hmm. Boom, baby. That shit is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amazing. Yep. Yep. And it would take so long to catch that if you're shooting at seven frames a second right. or five or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. no, that that new fast shutter is like, oh, you know, just like for action stuff. Obviously, we do a lot of action stuff. And yeah. We turn over you the, have the, to the photo. have that. Yeah. Oh, and for 200 frames. Mm-hmm. That blows my mind. Yeah. And That's silent, I, too. Yep. Oh, I love that. Yep. That is yeah. pretty sweet because it's the worst mm-hmm. when you're like you're you're shooting something. Then you hear the, you know, the you're, shutter. And you're buffering. You're like, <laughs> you're pressing the button so hard. Yeah. <laughs> like, crap, I'm going to break it. Yeah. But, okay, uh, so oh, but the point is that I got the SC, the Ronin SC, yeah. just because I, I don't need uh, as big a uh, gimbal. Wait, yep, you know, mm-hmm. and yep. I still don't know how to use it. I haven't used it yet. Nice, yeah, nice. So that's maybe fun. we should we should go shoot some. We stuff. probably <laughs> need to, yeah, because that'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've looked. I've, we've been looking at the, getting the newer one that the, the R just came out, or that just came yeah. out because of the load package. Because mm-hmm. all of ours start to get heavier with the bigger lenses and center lenses, and mm-hmm. now we're looking at the red Komodo to get that because we have the Epic, and it's like the Epic won't fit on the r- normal Ronin. Oh, but it wow. Will on, the, on the newer one. And so it's just like, I mean, it's just gear and it always changes. And you're always like, I could use that new one. Right 100%. Now. <laughs> as soon as I brought the, bought the SC, they just came out with the SC2. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I'm not Happens playing this game. Every time. I'm not playing this game. Happens every all right, time. I'm going to stick with this <laughs> exactly. until it dies. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Until you're like, ah, oh, well, this one's way outdated. And the yeah. new one just, the new and new and new one just came out. Yeah. Pull that. But what's, uh, Jump back into New York because I'm I'm really fascinated with y- your journey through New York because I, I watched my sister when she was doing the yeah. modeling and things stuff like that so I'm I'm super interested in like how did that with those because um, you were there for what six years eight saying? years eight years something like that yeah how was that 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 journey just through those different years I know you're saying like that you know when you first get there it was just a grind and when was, was that great. turning point yeah. of like when you actually started to be like oh no I've, I'm established I mean you shot for some huge huge campaigns. Um, I honestly don't, I feel like I'm still not there. I don't know when it clicks in your head where you're like, I've arrived on some Uh plane that I was, and, and I also am, um, you know what? I'm going to backtrack a little because I think that it started to click when I started to get some big checks. Yeah. I think that's what, and I, it just is what it is. I don't, I'm not. Uh, there's better ways to evaluate your own success, but for sure, for me, it was last year when I booked, um, I booked an ad job. I booked my first, and eh, not my first ad job, but my first ad job that paid really well. Hmm. And suddenly, that ad job made me more money than I had made the last year. Wow! That one, That's that awesome. one job, which was six days of traveling around the country, and and my shoot time was maybe two hours per day that I shot. Wow! I mean, it was. I don't think I'm ever going to run into a, as sweet a deal as that again. Right. But they were so kind and ah, that's Scott awesome. Nelson. He was he he was the the one heading it up, and he was just he was so great to work with. That's you know? cool. Um, so I would say I would say last year. Yeah. Yeah. That was it, huh? Yeah. That's awesome. And I think what's <laughs> happening now is I'm using this time I, here in Idaho. You know, things are kinder things are softer in my everyday life new york Mm -hmm. can be um just it's just grueling from 
living on a f- uh, five flight walk up right to walking to the train in the, in a in the dead of winter and taking the train and it's crowded and the you know it, it, there's so much about New York that's so taxing mm-hmm. and here all those elements are gone so I think that my I, I just have more energy to spend on things that I think are more worthwhile. So I've been putting a lot of energy and time just into learning to be present, cool. learning um, where my energy comes from, learning where my creativity comes from, and, and spending a lot less time evaluating my place in the world. And I think um, I'm just not thinking as much about um, my career as an identity. I'm mm. thinking it far more about it's something that I happen to be doing, but it is not my identity right. in any form. It is not my being. Mm-hmm. It's not the, even close to the you know, most important thing about me. And I think what's, what, what that's doing is it's um, kind of relieving all the pressure behind that. And as a result, I'm getting more and more work. Yeah. It just is sort of working that way. Right. And um, I don't care as much. I enjoy it. That's yeah. really what it is. I just... I love it. It's really Good. fun. And I, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting – and kind of when I was going back to like when you feel like you've, you've made it, you know, because I think mm-hmm. everybody puts a um, – oh, if I, ha- if I shoot for that one – you know, I mean, me and Mike, Mike, I had that. And we're like, oh, if we could shoot for this person, you know, that this would – This brand that this magazine. Or, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and we've shot for some, some really big brands in different industries because we're tied in with a bunch of different industries. You are. And so we're very diverse. Yeah. And, and still making it work really well. Yeah. And so it's, and it's fun how, you know, just each one kind of progresses in its own fashion and form with the people that you meet and then the, and then the work that you do. And then, mm-hmm. you know, obviously your work speaks for a lot of that next work and the next work and the next work and so but more than that your reputation does correct that the way that you treat people Mm -hmm. your consistency if you really follow your word if you all that stuff i mean if you're if you're super talented but shitty on set Mm -hmm. people won't use you 100 percent. they do not care 100 percent. they won't use you and and it's interesting they say that because that's me and mike have had that conversations with people that we've worked with before like i I wouldn't, in two different forms, I wouldn't call him back to have him work with us mm-hmm. because of how he was on set. And certain people, I was like, I would never work with that person in either a collaboration or if they're head of the brand or something like that mm-hmm. just because of that personality. I was mm-hmm. like, it's not worth it. Mm-mm. The personality just, it just depletes everything and it takes everything from the enjoyment of the shoot. And yeah, sometimes shoots are stressful and things are going, but when you sit there and like, I can't enjoy the job that I'm doing because of that one person, you're like, meh, it's not well, worth it for me. Well, and instead of them being an energy that contributes, they're an energy that sucks the creativity and the life out of the production. Mm-hmm. You can't have that. Right. You yep. can have it. Stuff, I mean, stuff just starts to, you can tell when stuff starts to go downhill yep. just by that one person being yep. there, People, unfortunately. So much of it is rolling with the punches because on every production, something's not going to work. Yep. And when you hit that spot, you can't be like, well, fuck it. I'm, you know, you have to be right. like, all right, what else can we do? How, how can we make this work? And you have yep. to do that over. And some productions, as you know, that's the whole production. Yeah. Is like, all 100%. right, well, that light just blew and, and that camera just, <laughs> you know, I just dropped my camera and, right. you know, stuff just goes. Yep. And you got to just be like, all right. Yep. Let's do it. Can you, can you relive one of those moments that you had? 
for like where it was just you got out and you're like, oh, this is going to go great. And then all of a sudden it just one thing either big happened or and then how you went through that kind of man, I, I feel like I have a lot of them. Mm, but they they kind of leave my mind because I don't recognize them as necessarily significant mm. because once you work through them, it's done. The production's done. The stress is gone. And yep. I, I don't know, man. Um, uh, I've dropped my camera on set before, yeah. you know, and everybody looks at me <clears throat> just like deer in the headlights. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well, set this one down. That's broke. And then we just keep going. You know, right. you can't, you can't like, yeah. If you're all like been out of shape. Can't focus on the things that ha- like go don't wrong. Go right. Yep. And then, cause then I'll just, like you said, affect everything else. Yep. And just open it. It was funny last week when we we're on the set we had a um we were doing a a building clearing with a bunch of guys and then it was i mean there's so many moving parts we had two helicopters in there one had guys military guys hanging out of it shooting and then at the same time we had a secondary helicopter filming that helicopter and what was happening so okay, i do have a question about that now why is there a second helicopter versus a drone if it's for shooting because for of filming. the speed of the helicopter mm-hmm. we couldn't keep up with the drone to get specific shots okay to where the the helicopters can talk to each other uh-huh. and so micah was in the one helicopter filming God, the other guys cool, and so they were on the comms to where like hey we need you to come around and we're gonna go by the side and then up and over the top of it mm-hmm. and in front of it because they can spin sideways and stuff like that with the it's drone just to can't to keep the gimbal speed basically yep. keeping up with that mm-hmm. It's not the the drones don't go fast. I mean they they can, but then the um you you, you can't keep your shot in the right um what do you call it the right speed for okay. it if that makes okay. sense. Yeah. So, so when he's in this helicopter, is his is does he have like a a mounted tripod that he's gimbal. using or is he hand? Got a big gimbal. So big the, gimbal. like the big mobile on his body. Nope. So we've got that it. one. That one he had the the ring around it. So he was holding on the ring, and then we had bungee cords from the ring to the helicopter. Uh huh. So there's a little bit of bounce there, but he, it, you know, if if he happened to like let go, it wouldn't yeah fall yeah, out. Yeah. I mean, it'd be wrecked. This but is it exciting fall out. stuff, dude. I, uh, so I like this. Yeah. So he had you know, and then for that one, uh, because we we're limited on you know, part of it was limited on budget, so we couldn't have the full crew there. He was just doing his own zoom and his own focus. Usually that's all. A Somebody third guy is, sitting in the back seat, controlling zoom, controlling focus. I've obviously focus. never had that on my on my one video shoot. That right. I have. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so he was, you know, he was having to do a bunch of different different parts for it, but, um, but yeah. So they would they'd be flying around and grabbing, you know, the shots of the hell the other helicopter in front of this big building. What lens does he have well, on for this? That one we had. We switched to the fifty prime. Prime, okay. Just because it was, we didn't have to keep going. You know, he mm-hmm. didn't have to sit there and go back and forth in the zoom. Mm-hmm. I wish we would have, but we were just time ways, mm-hmm. time wise, and what he was able to do with mm-hmm. just pulling one hand off and mm-hmm. checking focus stuff like that. That's we just kept the fifty on there. So he's not using autofocus on that. Mm-mm, no, because these were all these were all um, the Zeiss classics. Okay. So okay. it was all manual. Okay. Manual. Okay. Um, on what focus. body? On. on that one we had the red Komodo, the new red, which was hey, that sounds real cool. Awesome. I don't know what that is. I okay. know what the red is. But you know the, so, I don't know what the Komodo so is. So reds, they're, they're new ones. So they basically uh, designed a new smaller camera body. Okay. That takes everything that the red did, but throw it into a, a smaller con- package. In a smaller package, yeah. it doesn't quite have 
uh, some of the the frame rates and frame sizes that like the Epic does mm-hmm. and the Helium and the Monstro and stuff like that. It's just 6K um, and it does 6K at 60. How often is 6K necessary? So there, I mean, there's is a that couple... just so you can crop and stuff? Yes. Yeah. It, I mean, it depends. Sometimes people will do it and they'll shoot the whole, everything on it. And yeah. then once it sends to the client, it all gets compressed to either sure. 4 or 1080. Yeah. Um, but sometimes people can use it for cropping in. Sometimes, I mean, you're taking a giant picture and just squeezing it down. So it's going to look even better when it's got pushed you. down into 1080. Got you. Got you. That um, makes a lot of sense. And you okay. got, you know, you got more room to, to, you know, adjust, crop your frame if you want to. Like, we'll, yeah. we'll do that every once in a while if it's like, Something that we're just going to make it on as a 1080, yeah. Um, you know, or 4K. We'll yeah. shoot 6K, and then we can adjust if we need to, and we have room to play. It sounds bad because we're like, don't crop anything, you know, kind of thing. But it gives you the flexibility. You, to where yeah, you can that zoom flexibility in. is huge. The same as like, it, I rarely have need for 60 megapixel images. Right. But uh, stuff like I shot today, which is cocktails, I want to shoot that big so that if I want to. If I want to, if I want to close in on just a drop of water or something, right. I can go ahead and I have that flexibility. And it looks awesome. It's amazing at that point. I mean, even like it does because like it looks it looks like a something. macro shot, right. except you have a broader depth of field. It's it's more manageable at that right. point. Yeah. Nice. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. So going back to all the things that happened happened wrong, there's a brush fire um, outside of the building that we were shooting in, uh-huh. and so the this <laughs> is it was horrible. The, one of the helicopters touched down because they had the fire extinguishers. Oh, oh okay. The guy, they didn't start it, though. No, they Did didn't start it. Did they even know it. how it started? No, it was a spark that went into the grass. It was a bunch of deep grass. And so the helicopter touched down. Were you down filming this? Have, yeah, we were yeah. filming. <laughs> you were so, filming the fire and, and them doing? Well, we were filming, and we could see the smoke, but mm-hmm. we thought it was just a, like a smoke grenade because we had some of those, mm-hmm. and we were going to you know, use them to give effect and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it was outside the building, and we're like, what? That's Who, who, who popped smoke, you know? And... uh so it was a fire, you know, and then you can start actually see the fire. That one helicopter touched down. The guy went to go throw the fire extinguisher. Yeah. His arm got caught because it was tied around the um, seatbelt. Yeah. And he let go of the fire extinguisher, and it got sucked up into the blade. The blade hit it and ruined one of the rotors on the helicopter. Oh, that's expensive, I bet. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very expensive. So it was one of those things. So there was a brush fire. The helicopter's <laughs> ruined. And I'm, sitting, and I'm directing the whole thing, and yeah. I'm just like, what do I do now? Oh my, you know, it's, yeah. it's that kind of point. You're yeah. like, oh my gosh, I got to roll with the yeah. punches and now we got to change. Like our storyline had to change because now we can't oh. use the helicopters because the main helicopter that we were filming was a little bird, which is the ones that they use like for quick in and out with guys. I so it's I a very, look like, yeah. very specific look. Yeah. So that one's down. So now we're like, well, the other one's just an R44 with like bright blue. We're like, we can't use that in this video. So we're done with the helicopters and we were only two hours into the shoot of and the five hour got, shooting were you just hoping that you got the footage or did you know we knew we got an we got enough to yeah. make everything work but mm-hmm. it was we had, we knew we had to change the storyline and now things are different because we had three different scenes after that that we we're going to use the helicopter for yeah but now that the helicopter's sure. down we couldn't shoot those scenes so we had to adjust okay here now in the middle of everything okay now how to change the story still make it make sense and, mm-hmm. and line out but no helicopter which is a big prop <laughs> that's a big one so but it's just those kind of things as far as like um adjusting to what's happening and every i mean everybody's freaking out and the guys are going they're trying to put the fire out now the helicopter's ruined these guys are, i think i think like, this is one of the main things that separates a professional in the field from someone that's 
just exploring a little bit, like, gotcha. and, and maybe doesn't get past that point. Mm-hmm. It's because this it's incredibly stressful, and 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 you gotta be super smart about it. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you kind of gotta not show that you're stressed. Right. You gotta play it cool. Like, mm-hmm. nope, we got this. Yeah, we'll put it together. Now with the storyline, pull together. That seems daunting to me to like yeah. adjust the storyline on the fly. <laughs> right. God. We had a, you know, we. Once that happened and we like kind of regathered everything and then we figured out, you know, the helicopters were fine, but it's broken. And we, you know, we sat down, we had a 30 minute meeting with all the guys, the main crew. And I was like, all right, well, here's what we're going to do. Cause I just, as soon as it all happened, you're just like, you're, okay, you're, how you're are we adjusting this? And but you're also so around? familiar with the storyline in the first place and what you need out of it. Ultimately. Yeah. I could see how you could your shots and yeah. how, you know, how can we transition a scene that's in the day to, to the night when we don't have the helicopter to make that transition scene. So, yeah. okay, how do we do that? Now we do it on foot and we got to change this. And that's not going to quite look the same as what I wanted it to be, but you know, we made it work and we just adjusted and regrouped and got everybody. Hey, this is what we're going to do. And let's go do it. And yeah. you know, we went from there and now for this particular job, um, again, I'm not, I'm not in video, so I don't, I don't know what it takes to pitch to a mm-hmm. client like this. Yeah. But do you pitch them a whole storyline as, as part of your um, estimate? Or like, yeah. how does that work? Yeah, it depends um, on the, I guess, the end goal. If it's like a product focused mm-hmm. or if it's a showing what people can do or if it's, it's creating that a specific story and then you know what goes into that so some of it's like hey we're gonna do these scenarios but we're pulling pieces out for a specific product sure. and what they're gonna show like hey this is your these are the boots and we're gonna show them being used in real life scenarios kind yeah. of thing so um it kind of goes both ways as far as what the that end goal product is and then how do we tie that into does it need to be a story or does it not okay. need to be a storyline is it more of just a visual right yeah 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 mm-hmm. um do you find that yeah. you do a ton of work before ever knowing you have the job? Like, I would assume a lot of work goes into just hoping to get the job, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a – I mean, some of them that will just to get get approached by and say, hey, here's what we want. Mm-hmm. Now you put all the time into it. And we're like, cool, now we don't mm-hmm. have to mm-hmm. – but then there's some of those to where we sit there and we plan it out and put it together and we – we you know write out a storyline and do some mood boards and stuff like that sure. present that here's what we want you to pay for to, to go and shoot and produce for your product yeah and then they're like cool or ah no not, that's not gonna work or that's not what we want to do or or yeah cool let's write a check yeah. and get it going so um my favorite my favorite sometimes yeah. it's kind of back and forth yeah my favorite is when they come to you and they're like well we want you to do this how much do you want <laughs> right how often does that happen probably twice yeah i know in, that and that's, in all the years oh. so my big ad job last year was exactly that was nice. basically like hey man i don't know if you're interested oh there's a lighter right here bam uh in, in you know i don't know if you shoot this kind of stuff but you know let me know what you want we got a pretty big budget <laughs> no way yeah they literally told me we've got a big budget let me know what you want and and submitting that that estimate was I was so nervous. Oh, I, I was like, "This is a preposterous number. There, right. this can't work." And they're like, it "Sounds good." And that was it. Don't you hate that? Because you're like, I could have gone more. No, 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 no. I went more. <laughs> I went more. You went that's more. What I, basically, it, <laughs> I went more already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I think that's happened twice to us. To where they're like, "Hey, here's what we want. Mm-hmm. What's that going to cost? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, what budget do you have? 
we 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 have one, but you you give us the number for it. And we're like, uh that's always rough, man, because okay. <laughs> you don't want to appear ungrateful. Yeah. Um, and you don't want to appear as if you're like, ah, oh, let's stick it to them. Um, but you also don't want to underbid yourself. Right. You know, mm-hmm. yep. that's why I, I love hearing what the budget is, because then I can be like, all right, well, this is what we can do within that budget. Right. Yep. hundred percent. It's so much easier. And I hate it when they're like, well, just give me a ballpark number. And I'm like, but what do you want, though? Like, I could shoot everything yeah. on. Alexa's, sure. you know, yeah. and a hundred thousand dollars. How much do you want to put into it? Yeah. Like, you know, but, yeah. or do you want to stay on this side of it? You know, cause each thing is going to cost more. And, and they're like, well, so I have found in these situations that I kind of, uh, put together my dream estimate. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to need four assistants. Let's build these structures in a field. And like, I like to start there and then have them say like, all right, well, we can't, we can't spend that much. What can we do to, to minimize the production? Yeah. And then I can start chopping things off. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's always fun to start out with just your, what, what's the coolest thing I could think to do with this? Right. You know? Uh-huh. Yeah. What do they, as far as in, in your line of work that you, that you have that, do they come to you with like, hey, here's the, what our, our fall line is and here's our idea and then make it happen? Or are they like, hey, here's our fall line. What should we do? What do you normally get for? Um. I, or is I, I would rather go with different? the ad the ad direction with that. Um, so the last one I did, man, what was the name of it? It was an Idaho organization that helped place, um, help people through COVID, help them find, okay. you know, um, not necessarily new careers, but new new trades. Like, mm. so if somebody wanted to be a graphic designer, they'll put them through some classes for free and some stuff like that. So with them, I worked with. Sunshine Stevens out of S360 in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And so she is a brain. She's super smart with storyline and stuff like that. Awesome. That's not my strong point. Storyline's not my strong point. Yeah. I like the visual, um, but I've had to learn to think in terms of story versus individual image. Yeah. Because I I love individual image. I love telling the whole story with one. Um, So she came out with basically a, a rough creative outline. And then I put together my own mood board based upon that. And I put together dream scenario versus maybe more practical. So mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, um, it'd be really cool to build these. Those same thing. Build these structures. Let's put yeah. them in the field. Like there's these ad, ca- or these uh, fashion um, campaigns that I saw. You know, I really liked them. Uh, it's a way to like you're in a brown field with, you know, and then you've got a big red box or something that they're standing on. You know, right. It's just a nice juxtaposition. Nice. Um, so in that scenario, it was it was very much um, a, a team effort, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. What is the? Uh, do you prefer working with ad agencies, direct to brand? What do you What do you normally do? Or I guess I. Um, when it comes to, to brands, I'm not going to have a lot of creative pool necessarily. They're, pr- they're typically going to have a pretty good idea of, of exactly what they want to do. So, um, uh, but with the ad agencies, I've seen that they'll, they allow a lot of input. And I, I like that. I mean, That's most awesome. of what I like about my work, I think, is just working with the other, uh, other creatives. And I love their minds. And I think that I f- feed off of that creativity so much. Hmm. And I, I like just them giving me hints, and then I can see how yeah. that works and how that story goes. Right. Um, versus trying to construct everything from the ground up. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Do you what, do you travel a lot, or is it mainly New York, or what do you? Right now, even though I'm living here, most of my work is coming through New York still. Cool. So we're headed back next month for a shoot. Sweet. Um, for actually, he, he's a really good friend of mine. It's uh, he is a super talented um, graphic designer. Does lots of websites and branding on, on all kinds of stuff, but he is industrial. He's a hard worker. He's doing such a good job. So he wants to create a whole campaign based upon um, what it, it actually reminds me of Dolce Gabbana, hmm. where there's like these elaborate floral setups, and then basically he's just going to have iPhones, iPads, um, uh, laptops with like floral arrangements all over and then i assume he's gonna have different things on these screens and then yeah. it's gonna tell a whole story okay so uh yeah that's what i'm going back for sure. in november nice and then here locally uh like i said i just shot for my tie mm-hmm. i i knew i really never thought i would shoot still life or food or beverage at all but i'm i really enjoy it yeah it's fun it's a completely different animal but it's so much easier in so many ways hmm. It's really the light is really um, once you have it down, it's pretty much pretty consistently the same, in, right. unless you want to get really creative with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's beautiful. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Where was like the coolest place that you traveled for mm. for a shoot? I'd like to say Bali, but that has not happened yet. Uh, but I want it to really yep, bad. Yeah. Want to manifest that? <laughs> That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, shit, I don't know, man. Travel for a shoot. Where like where have you been? Like where where is the your photography taking you in the travel? Realms? It hasn't taken me out of the country yet. Oh and really? I really want it to. Yeah. Okay. It, it, you guys have yeah. Yeah, we've shoot. We've been. Let's see, Michael's in New Zealand, Africa. We were in Spain. Oh my God, that sounds. We in... Take me with you, I'll, dude. <laughs> right. You can pay hundred bucks a day. <laughs> Done. <I'm> in. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'll yeah, be cheap. I'll be cheap the for worst, travel. The worst place, I don't, I don't want to say that it was one of the most craziest trips, and I'm glad I did it. I don't know if I'd fully do it again, but I went to Tajikistan, yeah. and we were on the border of Tajikistan and Afghanistan, and it was, I mean, when you say third world country, this mm-hmm. is like lower than third world country. Yeah, right? it's, and it's it fourth was, world. Yeah. It, was, it was nuts. Like, it was such an eye-opening, you know, you see it on movies, you see it on TV, it's, news, whatever. Yeah. But when you actually go there and you see the people and, and you see their 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 normal everyday living, mm-hmm. it just it changes everything. So, what would you say? Do you feel like they were happy people, or were they so far below the poverty line that it was, you know? Because I've been in third mm-hmm. world countries where the the community is very content, very happy. Yeah. Um, I love it. Yeah. Like I feel that's so fucking inspiring. Right. So think, was this like that, or? I think it was it was the different parts because we went through a lot of different parts of Tajikistan getting there, mm-hmm. um, and so the ones that are closer to the bigger cities, mm-hmm. you go just outside of the bigger city to where it's at the you know the, the third and fourth world really starts, mm-hmm. and then you could tell it's it it's very depressed and they there's nothing. It's fucking sad. Yeah, it's yeah. sad going uh, through. Are they and you're just like not eating enough and right? I mean, that, you see, okay. you yeah. know, you see people just basically living yeah. on the streets yeah. and 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 just the yeah. the there's no life. The yeah. life is just dead there. And oh, then you man. keep going, and you're seven hours outside of town, and there's this little town that 
the only people that go in and through the town is um, is just big trucking. So they just truck, you know, they're trucking yeah. product through. Yeah. Um, and then and those people that live there don't leave, and they look they're happy. The kids they're are probably fairly self self sustaining as yeah. well, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they got yeah. their little shops, they got their yeah. little, their little stuff that's little going community. on, and it's and it's and did, if there's life there, it yeah, feels did, like there's life. Do they self govern? Do you think? I mean, in in a sense, or I don't know. In terms honest, of conflict it, and right. I don't know um, theft and things like that, or was was there a police presence? There in a couple of the. The small towns, there wasn't. I didn't see any police presence at all. Um, so I think, and it seems small enough to where you like everybody knows everybody. So if it was something that happened, it would have been someone from out exactly. of town. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then they wouldn't, you know, they would know right away. Yeah. But because everybody's watching, everybody's back, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, you got the guys that you know are they have the little restaurants and people yeah. that have the little farms and then all the animals and then, what was the food you know, like? Well, the <laughs> to me, I felt like they cooked everything that had the flavor of goat, uh-huh. and I cannot taste goat anymore. Like, <laughs> I smell it, just... it, and I will throw up. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was in everything. I mean, they I had don't think really I've had goat, actually. Fla- like, they had some really good food. Um, but, yeah, anything, the meat is almost just like goat and, like, just bad, bad, bad. Bad goat. Just, oh, it was just bad horrible. Goat. Yep. It was funny because they had something that it tastes like it was – Super, super old meat, and then they had fresh vegetables that were like you know tomatoes and and lettuce and stuff like that. Yeah, the most colorful food I've ever seen. Uh, and it was cool. like because it was just picked like the day before, and it yeah. just naturally grew. And there's no you know they're not spraying anything for anything uh-uh. over there, and it tasted yeah. so good. Yeah. And then their bread, oh my gosh, the best bread I've ever had. And my That's mom cool. makes some bomb bread. Yeah, this stuff was, I mean, it was to die for. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. So. It just kind of depends, you know, what where we were at. But, I mean, just it was cool. It was cool to see that side of the world mm-hmm. and over there and, and right there on the border and just, you know, the desolate. We were up in the mountains. We were at like 13,000 feet. Oh, wow. And so, um, you know, nothing grows up there. And it's just these little this little grass that grows along there. And But the mountains are huge. And it's just, it was super, super gorgeous. What, what were you shooting? We were doing a film on a hunt over there. So we were hunting oh up in the mountains. God. Yeah. It was Did you feel were you embarrassed at all with your own wealth? It, it, you know, in in that um I don't know, that contrast. No. I I didn't I don't think I really had that feeling. It mm-hmm. was like I say when you were you dragging around a $30,000 camera and then well yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, you know? it's like um I didn't, I guess I never really had that thought okay. as far as, as that, that part of it. I know when we're coming out of the main town, when you go through the really, really low poverty places, yeah. I was just like, my heart broke for yeah, them. Cause I was like, it's sad. sad. You know, they like they what you see on TV, like they just don't have water and they're, you know, some people are trying to survive and how their families live in and they're just, you know, guys live on the street and yeah. it's just, it's just so you're just like, man, you know, how can you, how can you fix that, right? Yeah, you know. Yeah, because it's so big and it's so systemic. And mm-hmm. what are you gonna do? Right. Yeah. So, but but it was a very interesting. You know, like I said, I don't know if I'd necessarily go back and do that whole trip over again, but it was definitely one. It's a, that it's I, a worthwhile experience. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, but it's been. I don't. I love traveling, and we, you know, we try to travel as much as we can and try to get the clients that, you know, we'll. we'll 
have a, a shoot that needs traveling, you know, obviously a lot of stuff we do here and we do a lot of stuff in Alaska and, you know, mm-hmm. in the States and whatnot. But as soon as we can go outside of the U S it's, it's super fun. So dude, if I get oh, the last, <clears throat> okay. So I did get flown to Jamaica to shoot a wedding maybe nice. four or five years ago. So that might be the only out of mm-hmm. country. And what I did is I had them fly me there about a week early. And then I just tooled around. What do you need? Light, little lighter. lighter? Yeah. Mine keeps going out. Um, so, yeah. So, that was good. Hmm. I ended up connecting with this local kid. He, he he ended up being kind of a turd, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, he kept trying to work me. The whole time he was working me. Dang. But I stayed in this little town called Little London. Hmm. And it was... It was poverty, not on the starvation level, mm-hmm. but it was like the house that I stayed in was was just just boards with you know slats with you know and I got bit by spiders every night oh, you know um, again very worthwhile glad I did it but I felt I I have a pretty keen sense I don't always feel like I'm in danger right yeah I don't I feel you know. <clears throat> I'm pretty confident for the most part, but yeah. in that town, I felt like I was in danger, and I felt mm. like if I was not with this kid, I would have been robbed or right. something. Right. You know, um, I found Jamaica to be very violent hmm. in general. The culture is fairly violent. Interesting. Yeah, um, but then once I once I left that little town, then I found a little safe spot where I uh, went to a, a hostel and cool. had some buddies, and you know. Nice. Yeah, experience a fun trip. A cool side of Jamaica, at least. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Yeah. How the I'm guessing on the beaches are amazing. Yeah, from what I've heard. Yeah, (laughs) I like a good beach, man. Nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that's one place I haven't gone. Um, So, like the Dominican Republic. mm -hmm. Um, I I had probably a two year period where I probably went back five times. Wow. I love the DR. Hmm. People are sweet and kind and generous and humble and like i love them i Hmm. met a family there that i went and visited repeatedly and like um so but then after jamaica i'm like i'm not going back to jamaica yeah one time's good yeah one time's good yeah i went to spain a couple years ago um and i was actually unfortunately because corona happened i was supposed to go back to spain in in march and for for fun, or are you gonna shoot for for filming? Okay, uh, another hunt over there because uh, we do we film a lot of hunting, so it's like it kind of takes us into different places and stuff are like you, that. Are you shooting? Uh, have you ever shot for the brand Sitka or Kuyu? 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 We've done stuff for Sitka. Um, That's awesome, dude. Do you get? Do you Kuyu. get? Do they give you shit out of that? Yeah. Oh Usually. my god. Usually. <laughs> They're we, so expensive. We shoot a lot for Cryptek. So Cryptek's so local. Okay. Um, and so we shoot a lot of stuff for them. They're local. We're we're good homies now. Um, Sitka got bought out by uh, Cortex. So when they got uh, bought out, okay, it changed a lot of lot of lot of the stuff of how they operate and what they're doing and all that kind of stuff. And did you lose so, them as a client going. at that point? Um, they weren't like an ongoing client. Okay. We were we were we did a bunch of collaborations, I guess, if you will. So we did, we did a shoot to where oh, we'd go I on a hunt you. and, and then you know, feature so, them. Yeah. They're yeah, like, Hey, we want, you know, we want this content from that hunt. Yeah. We want you guys in Sitka, yada, yada, yada. And then these guys, you know, they want, they're putting their product in. So just doing some brand highlighting and stuff in the middle yep. of everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so that was fun. And then, uh, and then we met the guys at Cryptech and then we started shooting for those guys. We shoot a lot for them. 
now. So we're just so they're up based a bunch of stuff. in Boise. Yeah, they're over in Eagle. Mm-hmm. And how do so. you feel like they compare to to Kuyu? I mean, I'm just learning about these brands a totally. little bit. Mm-hmm. Yep, it uh, it's funny because <laughs> we've the owner of Cryptic, we've had him on the podcast yeah. and stuff like that, and so. Um, <clears throat> speaking on the outside of it, because obviously once you get to know people and you you're in their brand and, and it's hard to be objective, use it. Yeah, sure. you, it's hard to start to see it from other sides. Yeah, um, the uh, their brand is elevated fast as far as like their product quality. So yeah. now they started do going over to uh, it was like Switzerland or Norway or something like that for um, their new their their higher end line, uh, which is their altitude line. And so everything's, um, shoulder fabric, which is like super, super high end. Um, so all their zippers and all their, their products, like it's pretty much like what North face and Arteryx yeah. and those guys use on their, all their Alpine stuff. They're like super high end. So is it, is it really just that, that balance of lightweight and durable? Yep. And, and, and that's uh, what everybody's yeah. chasing right now. Yeah, so it's, obviously, it's crazy how light a jacket that can keep you warm can be. I mean, yeah. So like Sitka, once they got bought up by Gore, obviously it went really well for them because now they had a big influx of money. Now they have a, a huge, I mean, Gore has their product, you know, Gore's on everything, right? And yeah. so now they have that, you know, the the back pockets of them directly. Yeah. And so their product is elevated as well. So kind of everybody's chasing what North Face and Arteryx did for climbing. Yeah. Everybody yeah. in the hunting industry is chasing that as well because it's it's essentially the same product. Like a lot of guys actually That's what, use. That is my next point. Well, I have two two. One question is that I know that they just had a very rare down harvest. Do you know about this? Uh-uh. They have a thousand rated down available right now. Wow. And it's really rare. And uh, I only know of one thousand rated down jacket by Mont Blanc. Hmm. Um, but I was just rated. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. It's, I read about it, and I'm not going to try to explain it here, yeah. but um, it's incredible. It's wow. incredible. So I was wondering if maybe they got their hands on some of that down or not. I don't know. So they're doing some of their new puff jackets. They're doing synthetic down, which mm-hmm. um, it's a double. So they do part of it. It's like the goose down, mm-hmm. and then part of it's the synthetic down in the armpits, the neck, and in the, the bottom Keep it dry. Yep, keep it yep. dry. So mm-hmm. you know when you, if you start using it and you start sweating, obviously it goes through your armpits stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But then that dries faster than the goose down does. Mm-hmm. And so they're taking the different technologies and the different products and trying to mold them to fit. You know, a lot of people are now putting like the um, um, the flexible stuff mm-hmm. in those certain spots, mm-hmm. and then the rest of it's still you know waterproof for yeah. you know this pro- fabric or that fabric yeah. stuff like that. And so. Um, tying fleece in there as well so then it dries fast but you're still yeah you know it's just it's crazy Um, it's incredible um my other my other question i guess is i'm I'm learning um so because i moved back to idaho Mm -hmm. i'm getting super into anything idahoey that i can do nice other than hunting i haven't gotten into hunting yet but yeah um i just don't i don't want to kill it and clean it and the whole deal right pack it out for seven yeah. miles and i don't want to do that <laughs> right i'll yep. take a picture and we yeah. can go from there <laughs> right um but these brands uh they don't seem to market towards backpackers right which i think is a missed opportunity because i'm looking at these brands and i'm like that's exactly what i want for backpacking yep like i want to shave weight i yep. want to stay dry i want to yep. stay warm yep it's incredible yep 
The downfall that we see a lot, because we're big hunters, um, we're big in the conservation side, and obviously we're, we're big hikers. We want to preserve the lands, all that yeah. kind of stuff. And there's this, the, there's a, a line that's been drawn between, you know, I'm going to use it just for, for ease of, of the explanation, but the REI versus like Cabela's, right? It's yeah. like REI caters to that side of the backpacking and hiking and, and, and keeping our lands clean and pure and stuff like that. And then you have the hunting side, which is like Cabela's yeah. and they're, you know, hunting and stuff like that. So they don't, they don't like to talk to each other. The REI side looks at the hunting side as like, Oh, you guys are killing all the animals and oh, destroying okay. our lands. And to where the hunters are like, no, we're preserving lands. We're giving a lot of money to conservation. We're keeping mountain, you know, animals on the mountain as well as harvesting them yep. and and we're building the products for that so there's this been this big hard line of like I one side doesn't that. want to talk okay. to the other side i'm okay. like hey like you like you're saying like hey the products work both ways because yeah, the much. companies that are building it for hunting know like hey these guys are going to be out in, in the in the elements for mm -hmm. days upon mm -hmm. end let's make the products to fit that mm -hmm. and then same thing with the other side so like north face for example they mm -hmm make their products for guys that sit on the side of mountain and get rained on and it's cold and yeah. you know, what's going to dry and what's, yeah. what works and feasible. So yeah. you see a few brands that'll, that have started to kind of work back and forth. So like Arteryx is a big one. Um, oh, okay. And so they use, you know, even a lot of military guys use Arteryx because of the, the, the way they design their brand their or the way they design their clothing and the jackets and they fit better they fit a little they absolutely more of like a better nice fit. cut yeah mm -hmm. yep and they're also durable and you know they usually go with the like the blacks and browns and greens yep. and stuff like that for mm -hmm. that side and even hunting so yeah. like i've had an arteryx down jacket that i use on almost all my hunts because yeah. it's so warm and like yeah product's amazing yeah. so you'll pay for it too kinda, oh 100 100 <laughs> yeah. so a lot of the hunting brands are starting to take those what like Arteryx and North Face and, and um, uh, Marmot and stuff like that are using and starting to put it with their camo patterns for the hunting side. Yep. So it's, yep. it's definitely elevating the hunting side, which is okay. great. Um, but like you're saying, I do, I do think that's don't interesting. Really I, I don't, uh, I want to say I'm, I'm definitely not anti-hunting. Mm -hmm. It's just not for me. Totally. Um, but yeah, I don't see, I see, the majority of hunters being responsible, loving the outdoors. Mm -hmm. It's about the experience. Yeah. And I get it. Yeah. It's great. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's an interesting blend. Um, and I know in the last couple of years, you know, we've definitely, I mean, we've started, I say we, but it's like the hunting industry is, is tried to do a lot of uh, documentaries and films and stuff like that mm -hmm. about showing more about, of what the hunting industry does and what they do for, the lands and the public lands and, you know, trying to keep public lands open. So yeah. we have, you know, people can enjoy them and stuff like that. And so trying to try, we're trying to bridge the gap, yeah. you know, essentially. And so trying yeah. to, how can, how can we blend both sides together um, and still be able to do what we love to do and still respect both sides, you know? Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's definitely a challenge and, and I don't know what the right answer is, but yeah, there's a lot of, yep. well, I know a lot of stuff that Kuyu is the, they produce, uh, everything in, in pattern, in camo. Mm -hmm. But then they also have, like, a green or black option for everything, yeah. too. Yep. Mm -hmm. So uh, yep. that's I, I think it's great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Sitka's starting to do with that. Cryptic's got a handful of theirs as well. So they're, like, their new line that I was just talking about, their altitude line, they're yeah. doing 
excuse me, um, a couple of their jackets in solids as well yeah. because that that gets brought up a lot. It's great like, to have hey, that option. I don't yeah, want camo, sure. but no, I want to do not want camo. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Very specifically, um, don't want camo. But the nice thing is, is like for that brand, they make a great product, and mm-hmm. if they just have it in a in a in a solid color. You can now start to transition that into the as a lifestyle brand too, to yeah. where you can wear it downtown. You can wear it, you know, absolutely doing yeah. your everyday stuff, yeah. and, and it kind of correlates back and forth. So yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's a fun. It's it's interesting being involved in in these different kind of brands and how they've been changing their products and how to develop products to make it better and and more feasible for the end consumer, and then how do you you know tailoring it to hey, people would actually use this on a hiking trip and 100%. backpacking and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah. like even like boots and stuff like that, they, you know, a lot Absolutely. of them go from the hunting side. Obviously they don't really do a lot of them in camo, but now the guys that are a lot of the hunters, they're using um, uh, like crispies and all these other kind of boots that, that cater to both sides mm-hmm. that it's like, hey, we're using these up in the mountains and the climbing Everest and all that kind of stuff. But our other line, works great for you know the mountains in alaska and all the mm-hmm. shell rock and all that kind of stuff so yeah. it's you know it's it's interesting involvement with that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah so but um but yeah man what's uh i guess what kind of stuff you got coming up what's the the horizon looking like for you um a lot of my least favorite part of, of my job which is marketing ah nice. so i've been it's never been uh, – it's always been my weak spot for sure. I, I don't enjoy it. I know some people really enjoy the marketing side and, the, you know – and it, that's part of my progression in New York was, was slow partly because I didn't enjoy the game, the hustle. I didn't enjoy it. And I also felt like it was a little bit like selling my soul it, to, uh, let's say, go to a Wilhelmina party and just work the room, find out who's important talk to them, give them my business card at just the right time. I right. was just <clears throat> I was just not into it, man. It's definitely a lot of work and it's just not my personality. Yeah. If it's if it's genuine and if it's if it's part of what what someone likes doing, then that's awesome. I think they're going to their career's going to advance more quickly. I just couldn't do it. So, that's what I'm 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 working on now is just collecting email addresses and sending out cold emails and getting to know yeah. people and um, locally, um, I've got a good buddy that sells POS systems. Mm-hmm. And so he knows all the restaurants, all the bars. So cool. he's been just dropping my name to these people. And Sweet. so I put together a rough little, uh, rough little portfolio of my own, shot some of my own dishes and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, and then just shot for my tie. So, um, I'm going to try to focus and get some more of that local stuff. Sweet. Yeah, that's awesome. What about New York? How does that tie over to, to New, New York? New York right now, I'm just sort of letting it do what it wants to do. I've mm-hmm. got my primary contacts there, and things will surface when they surface. Yeah, I mean, partly my um, my income need is a lot lower right now, and I I'm just not generally monetarily driven anyway. I really enjoy having projects, and I obviously you know <coughs> want to make a living, but right. I'm I'm just not motivated by that, and I think that, that that's probably hurt me a little bit too. But I just don't care. Right. Like, if I'm comfortable, uh, I'm comfortable. I'm right. I'm good. You know. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see what happens in New York, but here locally, I haven't really seen what I can do that's going to make me good money. 
Mm-hmm. I'm willing to do boring stuff for good money. Right. Absolutely. Yep. But I'm not going to do boring stuff for very little money. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. So, totally. Totally. Yeah. What's a What's a brand that you're like? Is like one of those like brands you're like, man, I just I really want to shoot for that brand. It's actually, I mean. I love uh, Carhartt. Actually, is really? one of them. I would love to shoot for Carhartt. Nice. I love the stuff they do. Yeah, a lot of their a lot of their stuff um, feels very genuine to me. Yeah, you know, uh, I I like I like a lot of, a lot of the outdoor brands. I like North Face. I like Patagonia. I like mm-hmm. what they do, and those would be really fun. Um, other than that, I mean, any fashion brand, Dolce right. Gabbana, Gucci, right. all that shit, man. That's cool. I think it'd be really fun. But going on to those brands, do you look for brands that fit what you what your style is and how you shoot, and that's yeah, what th- you want to shoot? Or I do think you look I w- at stuff like, oh, I'd have to kind of, I'd have to maybe. That's not quite the like their their normal stuff that they ha- that they show isn't doesn't quite fit what your style is. Would you still go after that, or would it? I would if I feel like it's going to stretch me in a good direction. Okay, does that make sense? Yep. So, it's easy as a creative to get entrenched in what your what your thing is, what your lighting is, or what your whatever it might be. Right. So, I love the opportunity. I love the challenge of being like, all right, well, can we light it like this? I've never lit it like that before. Yes, let's figure out how to do that. I'm excited about it. Cool. Um, I think. I think with those higher end brands, uh, to be totally honest, it has a lot to do with the money. Hmm. Um, but also I love the creative structure that goes along with a company that's investing that much money into a campaign because they have, they know exactly what they want. Everything is so well planned and organized and that's fun. That's fun too. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So you kind of find yourself gravitating towards the brands that have that same, feel and look that, that you um, do to kind of keep that. Yeah. So, so I would say like, let's say Oscar de la Renta. That is not how I would typically shoot. Mm. It's lighter. It's, uh, it's less moody. Um, but I, I love the color. I love the actual article. Like I love the dresses and I love yeah. the models that they pick. And, um, I love Fernando, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd be more than happy to go ahead and shoot things a little lighter. And But mm-hmm. my natural tendency is definitely moody, higher contrast maybe, a little more um, Calvin Klein gotcha. probably. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I love what Calvin Klein does too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, we find ourselves going after different brands that, that kind of like you're saying, like with Carhartt, it's like the brands you're like, man, that would be so cool to shoot with them because of what they have and what they – put out and mm. the the culture of their brand well they um, did like, like a whole two minute um commercial with jason moa is that his name yeah yeah jason momoa. yeah 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 and it was aquaman incredible it yeah. was incredible aquaman was the worst movie ever made but <laughs> but this this carhartt commercial right was incredible it was so well shot such a beautiful genuine story i i, I love it man nice yeah huh. that's yeah. cool yeah that's awesome. Well, sweet man. We'll definitely uh, we had a good, good chip, you know, smoke side chat mm-hmm, <laughs> if mm-hmm. you want to call it. So, anything else you want to, you know, throw out there? Or? Um, 
I don't know. I guess I guess I like to say to anybody that's interested in making um, photography or cinematography a career, um, try not to look at everything that's being done and make your vision that that vision. Try to really get to know yourself and understand who who you are and what you want to produce, and then see who might fit with that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because I think that. Especially when I first got to New York, I felt this deep temptation or impulse to like figure out what everybody wants and try to be that. And mm-hmm. uh, then you, you, you can't produce anything original at that point. You know? right. Original comes from not caring what right. anybody thinks. And, you know, and there's a fine line because you've got to make a living on one hand. So yeah. you have to care to some degree um, or just don't care. And if you make it, you make it. If you don't, you don't. Right. Yeah. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. I like it. Um, where can people find you on the internet? Instagram, Facebook? Um, Pornhub, whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> um, Instagram is Daniel Rosenthal NYC. And website is the same thing, DanielRosenthalNYC.com. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Awesome, man. Yep. Well, sweet. Well, thanks for being on the podcast, dude. I, I really appreciate, appreciate it, man. It. That was yeah. a fun time. This is an easy one. Yeah. <laughs> I saw some of you like, oh, shit. Man, I love man. this. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> Flows. And that's kind of what I was saying. I was like, you know, we just try to have good conversations and, and yeah. get to know, you know, from your point of view of, of, of the life of what you've, you know, what you've done in your profession and, and how things have shaped and, and the story behind it, you know, mm-hmm. is always what I love. I mean, we sat with different people that, you know, they just tell their story of how they got to where they're at. And mm-hmm. it's just, the, you know, it's, it's amazing. You know, it's so fascinating. So, yep. Keep in mind that it is it, an absolute marathon. Yeah. And you got to just keep pace. Got to keep going. Sometimes if haul. you can, if, if, if all you can do is crawl, then go ahead and crawl. Pretty soon you can be able to run again. You know, it just, it just takes time. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and it's fun. Have fun. Right. Yeah. So on the, before we get, uh, close off here, since we're smoking cigars and I know yeah. you like cigars, what's your, what's your go-to cigar? Um, my go-to is affordable, so that'd be the Master Blend Three. Okay. Um, my uh, my top cigars are probably the Padron Twenty Six, hmm. uh, Opus X, um, God of Fire, and those are like my maybe twice a year cigars. Gotcha. So, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna have to look at those. <laughs> try, <laughs> try one. I mean, if you don't smoke very often, it's not as big a deal to spend twenty five bucks on a cigar. Right. But if you smoke a but lot, usually that's that's not going to happen. Yeah, no, definitely not. That's yeah. why we. That's <laughs> kind of funny because we started. We've me and a couple of my buddies and my brother. We kind of figured out a couple that we like. Yeah, and we're like, oh, we can we can buy a package, and oh my gosh, these are four dollars a piece when 100%. you get them as a package instead yeah. of ten. You know, well, and that's why I said master like, blend Ooh. master blend threes because right now you can get. I mean, I probably order 40 to 80 at a time. Wow. <laughs> nice. My mom also smokes them, which is really funny. No way. So I'm buying them for both of us. But um, right. uh, yeah, that makes them like $4 a cigar for a cigar that's typically like 13 Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, like the ones that we do, um, they're 10 and 11 and 12 And so we get them yeah. in a the pack. And then we try to like... We wait for when they pop deals off, and then you're like, "Oh, dude, I just got." <laughs> and I just realized that I'm talking or... about this in my best friend's cigar shop. Right. Uh, I changed my mind on all of it. What you want to do is come down to Sturman's Smoke Shop. There you go. And uh, you know, get a good deal on a on a you know, a brick and mortar. Right. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Support brick and mortar. <laughs> Support brick and mortar. Yeah. <laughs> cool, uh, man. Well, thanks again. Really appreciate it. Yeah, man. I did too. Thank catch you. you later.
Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you're able to glean some valuable insights from this episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and let us know what you thought and your feedback. We would love to hear from you. If you want to find out more, visit silverlinefilm.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook under Silverline Films. And we look forward to seeing you next week on Silverline Behind the Frame.